0: And a very good afternoon, evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this podcast. My name is Philip Klein, and we welcome you to the Klein Files, which is apparently taken off and gone on fire, but we got to apologize again. It has been a while since we've been on air. There has been no real reason other than we are swamped under in here and I've been on the road traveling a bunch and Caroline's been on the road traveling a bunch. She got to do, uh, some vacation, right? Caroline, a little vacation. Slight vacation. Isn't that what y'all call it is vacay, vacay, vacay. Sorry. Yeah. My grandchildren got to go on their little trip for the summer. So, uh, everything's good in Kle- <laughs> as We call it Klein land. Everything's good. And everybody's happy and healthy. And, uh, and for those of you out there that are, uh, having to deal with this COVID thing, family, friends, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We are uh, very, very, uh, very sad. This is uh, going on in the United States of America again. uh, It has slowed down some casework, but uh, right now we're in a position where we are so busy. It's kind of overwhelming on some days, some mornings. Would you agree? I would agree. We just had our Monday meeting. We're recording this on a Monday uh, because this is the first chance I've had to be in the office and um, uh, the employees uh, in our staff meeting this morning were all kind of like, ah, you know, not again, not again. So uh, we're hoping that all of you uh, take your hydroxychloroquine or your what? What else? B twelve. What do I take? B twelve and zinc. B twelve zinc. I take a what they call a hot pack. A Z B twelve zinc and what's the other drug they gave me? I can't think of it right now. I don't know because I travel so much, and I I take these three medicines together. And knock on wood, I haven't had COVID. So let's uh, let's let's keep her rolling, as I say. Uh, anyway, so uh, today we have a great great case for you that we're going to talk about here on the Klein Files, and I'm going to preempt what I'm saying first with this. This is one of those times where when you have a family business you're, you know, when a team member here at KIC break, busts a case wide open and, and has dedicated themselves to a case, uh, you know, above and beyond where the you drive by the office at night and you see the lights on in here and you see people behind their desks. Um, this is one of those where, uh, where, where if that were not enough, uh, this was my daughter who broke this case wide open and uh, being Caroline sitting here with me. And it was an exciting, exciting case. Uh, something that happened, wouldn't you see, very quickly. I mean, it was like within a three day period, all of a sudden it got hot, hotter, hottest, and then bang, uh, it happened.
1: Yeah. It happened in a very quick manner. It seemed Yeah. for, the, for the amount of years that they were.
0: Yeah. They were missing, missing. and then we had been hunting them.
1: Well, this is one of our shorter Parental kidnappings, right. year-wise. year-wise, one of our shorter right. cases compared to the 12 or 14-year missing that we've had before.
0: So what we're going to talk about is this case, how it how it started, uh, and we're going to walk you through it because this is a great case on parental kidnapping uh, that uh, was solved. Um, the mother's sitting in jail right now, waiting on uh, her trial, which was supposed to start this week, but uh, now has been pushed off because of COVID again. Looks like what February of twenty two or March.
1: Well, it was supposed to go, I think three or four weeks ago, and it got pushed one more week, and then everybody got their subpoenas for that week, and then there was a fire at the courthouse, right? So they had to shut down altogether, and now COVID. So
0: So, (laughs) we we're probably not going to go, and we and Caroline will be testifying uh, as a witness, and um, uh, and so. We're just going to kind of put the case for you together, let you listen about the case. And then once we get to a point, then I kind of take over because I think uh, you deserve the kudos on this one. So let's start it. Well, how did, how did it all get started?
1: Well, in 2016, we received a phone call from our client, who is Kevin Inks, who's the father of Penelope Inks. And he was calling to inquire about our services for a parental kidnapping of his daughter from his ex-wife. He immediately mm-hmm. told him that he he was fairly close to us as far as vicinity wise. This is Lives a, in Galveston, area. Texas. Yes, and so, um, anyways, he came over one day. Actually, uh, I, th- I think the very next day, actually, and sat down with us, and we just listened to him, listened to his case, listened to the events that occurred, and then.
0: Then he, he asked hired the question that everybody could. asks us: "Can you help me?" Yeah, and the answer was, "Yeah, we, we can help you," and we did. So um, now let's just kind of set this in June of 2016 when Kevin came in, <clears throat> the child had been missing for about two years, almost. Uh, the, I think the child went missing in October of 14,
1: October of 2014, right?
0: The mother, um, the mother drove her car, right? Mm-hmm. And she picked up the child
1: mm-hmm. who was also, I think in a, uh, like a re, a mental rehab, facility at the time.
0: Right. Now we're going to talk about parental alienation syndrome again. This is one of the, I'd say one of our most, that's not even the proper English, one of the worst cases of parental alienation I've seen. Agreed. Um, And it still is going on today. And we're going to describe it for you just a little bit. But um, so anyway, the parental alienation began way before uh, the child disappeared. In fact, it broke the child down because when a child goes to a visitation, whether or not the father has managing conservatorship or the mother has conservatorship, conserv- managing conservatorship, you cannot sit there and browbeat these children negatively. And that's what this mother did. She tore this child up. Oh, your dad's nothing but this, and your dad's nothing but that, and your dad is horrible, and oh, you know what your dad did to me, and you know, and none of it was true. And this poor child finally broke down. Well, when the mother began to begin investigated, right, child protective services got involved, uh, mental health, uh, state of Texas mental health, mental retardation got involved, um, the district attorney of Galveston County got involved. Everybody got involved. The mother always, you know, and there's always a, there's always a catalyst in these things. The mother figured out, oh no, I've been caught. Oh no. Everything I've been telling the child is, 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 is actionable in Texas. Thank God. And so the mother said, what now? And so she got in her car and she drove under the bridge. We all call it the bridge in Galveston. Any anybody that's from the Houston Galveston area will tell you about the bridge. The bridge uh, connects Galveston Island, <clears throat> which by the way, is a beautiful, beautiful community. Uh, uh, Galveston Island to the city of Houston. Uh, you have to go through Texas City, what else League is up city. there? League City, Friendswood, uh, all those uh, beautiful communities down there but it is the bridge that connects the mainland to Galveston Island. Underneath the bridge is a place where transients go, uh, nefarious people go, criminals go, and it's very well patrolled, I'd say, wouldn't you, by the city of Galveston, Galveston County. Uh, Really, really, really great people uh, down there in the, in in law enforcement and they really are up on everything. So they patrol through there anyway, one night, Um, they did a patrol through there and they found a car and it was registered to Heather Inks. Well, they called the dad, uh, which is our client, Kevin, and said, Hey, look, we found a car down here. And the father said, wait, my daughter's been missing. My daughter's been missing for uh, how long was it? A month at that point? I think so. About a month, six weeks. The child, the, 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 child had been missing. They couldn't get a hold of Heather. They couldn't get a hold of the child. Uh, he had filled out some police reports with both Galveston County and the City of Galveston, um, and the FBI wasn't involved yet. Uh, but they, um, uh, they, they, there was definitely a bolo on the mother and a bolo on the child. Well, the first thing, of course, any police officer is going to think you've got a car in a nefarious place under a bridge, and you've got a woman and a child missing. What pops into your head? The worst first. I mean, this is what these guys do all the time, and ninety-nine point nine percent of the cases that they deal with uh, in these scenarios end up being the worst: the mother's dead, the child's dead, somebody's killed somebody. So immediately they start investigating, and of course, the first thing they do is investigate the father. And you know, it it it, it shakes your head sometimes, but you know, you got to know. Where 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 to go with the evidence that's presented to you? So to set it up, we had mom and we had a mother and her child missing. We had a father that had been granted custody. Correct? Yes. Been granted custody of the child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when the when the father was granted the custody of the child, the mother got her visitation but just didn't show back up with the child, and the race was on. So uh, as it began. Uh, the Houston office of the FBI and the Southern uh, Task Force uh, for Missing and Exploited Children became involved um, out of Texas City. They have an office in Texas City. Uh, FBI agents were brought in. I can't say enough about Tommy Hansen and the FBI agents over at the headquarters over in Texas City. Uh, And they all became involved and, and everybody got together as a team. Then when we came in, You know, it was again, you know, it always seems to work out when private security agents, FBI agents, Mm -hmm. law enforcement, we all band together as a team and we all try to do what's in the best interest of the case.
1: That's when the cases get solved.
0: That's when they get solved, is when everybody gets together as a team, everybody works together as a team. And I'll tell you what, I can't say enough again about the FBI up there. Uh, They were like, look, Klein and you were sitting right there in the meeting. look Klein you, you, whatever help you can give us, man we need it we're in a bad place And this was after two years of the child being missing now and they they said we're in a bad place we, we don't have any leads we're we've exhausted everything they're doing all the right things. man, we need you we need your help. So let's take it from there. So um, in June, um, uh, of 2016, we we got involved. And Caroline, why don't you describe a little bit about the first thing you do? Because you're a case manager, and I think it's important we all kind of follow your lead. Why don't you tell the, the, our listening audience a little bit about the first few things that you do?
1: So to start, what we do is when we have our, our client here in our uh, conference room, we get their backstory basically the things that had transpired up to the point of when the kidnapping took place from there, we put together a, I guess a personality profile or a profile of the kidnapper and kind of base it off of past events, past history, um, what we know, what they, you know, things such as, did they go to college? What did they major in? What, where are they from? What descent are they? Um, Different things of that nature. And we put together this, ideal package what i would refer to it as of things of that nature um all the way from the parent to the child as well
0: so caroline puts this package together and then she brings all the senior investigators in a room and she gives a a presentation to us she says okay this is the inks case Uh, we got the dad kevin who is a suspect there was no doubt he was a suspect. All law enforcement was looking at him.
1: Yeah, they were.
0: And we have the mother. This is obviously the missing mother. And we have the child. And they just poof, disappeared. Meaning they have not only disappeared, but there's just no trace. Disappeared without a trace. So Caroline gave us a, three things to work on. Number one, the history of the mother her likes, her dislikes, her college education, what she, you know, even down to the foods she liked, what does she like to eat? Because, you know, that's habit forming. Uh, The second thing she gave us is the background on Penelope, uh, the, the, the child. The child is a wonderful little girl at that point in time. She was what? How old was she when she disappeared? I, was, I see six.
1: No, she was seven, 11.
0: 11. She was 11 years old when she disappeared. So that's an advantage investigators, right? So we'll get to that here in just a second. And then the third thing she gave us was family, extended family, friends, local friends, which was not really advantageous to us, the investigators, because, you know, when you get somebody that is mentally disturbed other people that are normal see that and unless they're uh, helping karen they make the decision well i'm just going to kind of stay away from it and she had pretty much alienated everybody at that point her friends her she had another boyfriend her family. her family had had enough of her i mean everybody had just had enough of this girl and so she packed her stuff up and the first thing we did was to say, "Okay, well, did she sell her car to somebody?" And the answer was no. It was running at the time. The license tags were good. Uh, there was no blood in the car. There was nothing that was uh, uh, of nefarious issues of the car. And it started right up for the tow truck driver. I think the tow truck driver said, "Yeah, you just got in, and cranked it up." And they did a forensics on it and. Um, You know, there wasn't anything that was a problem in the car. Uh, The trunk was clear. Um, You know, it was just a plain Jane old car. And so what they did at that point was the, after they got that done, they had it impounded. I think the, the uh, financing company took control of it. By the time we were involved, the financing control, finance company took control of it. And I think they resold it. Then directly after that, the question was. Who would have brought this girl from underneath a bridge in Galveston, Texas, with nothing but a bunch of bums and a bunch of illegal uh, uh, criminals uh, underneath that live under the bridge? Who who would have brought her from the bridge to wherever she was going to go? So that's what we concentrated first on. Well, we were able to backtrack that to the two weeks before. Um, the car was found and we found that she was living in a house with some neighbors uh, that were some old neighbors of hers uh and it was it, 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 and it was a I don't, I don't want to say it was a family it was more of a boyfriend girlfriend type situation and a friend where she moved in
1: yeah it was a uh it was a friend that she stayed with right she in, stayed in with like a hotel ran a hotel and ran- so they gave mm-hmm. her a room and um, that all of her belongings were left back into the apartment that she was living in. Exactly. She didn't claim any of her belongings at all. Literally not one belonging.
0: And that, to be honest with you, that concerned us. I remember the meeting when we were all sitting in here going, oh boy, this is going the wrong way real quick. And we were all, you know, so we got an interview from a neighbor, um, that lived across the street. Now, remember firsthand interviews, everybody say, Oh, it's so great. Let me tell y'all something. It's really not. I mean, what you see and what another person sees and what another person sees, you got to take it all and you got to put it, like I say all the time, you got to put it in a gumbo pot and you got to mix it up. Uh, and once you mix up all that gumbo, you know, there's going to be a taste that comes out of it. But out of what we put together, um, we were able to interview neighbors and we came up with a good taste that led us to a gentleman up in Houston, Texas, lived on the West side of Houston, Texas. And once we got to him, he admitted, yeah, she's alive. The kid's with her, but they took off and I have no idea where they went. Somebody picked them up and he didn't know one. He left for work one day, came home, they were gone. So at that point we knew, okay, they're alive. So we were able to get with the FBI and the Galveston County and they put a bolo out. And, um, and at this point, um, they decided they were going to go to, uh, they already had charges for, uh, unlawful, unlawful flight to avoid prosecution, uh, which was the felony warrant that was issued, uh, based upon the interference with child custody charge. Um, Now, here's where the let's talk a little bit about the legal first before we go on. Uh, everybody uh, Everybody in the United States needs to hear this. We tell our clients when you walk in the door on a parental alienation case, and especially a kidnapping case, that there is a case in Texas that pretty much everybody uses. It's called State of Texas versus DeWalt, D E W A L T. It was one of our captures. In the state of Texas versus DeWalt, you can up a charge from felony interference with child custody to aggravated kidnapping. Now, A lot of you say, well, why is that important? Well, first of all, it's the range of punishment, okay? That's the first thing. And the second thing that's most important is that person forever must register as a sex offender in the state of, uh, of Texas, which puts them on the national registry, which means if it happens again, it's easier to get a warrant. It's easier to capture that person. Well, what happened in the state of Texas versus DeWalt was she was, Mrs. DeWalt was in a New Brunsville's Texas courtroom and she was, uh, fixing to, it was a, it was a civil case and she was losing custody of her child. And so she told her client or her lawyer actually, that she needed to go to the bathroom because the judge had asked everybody to stay in the courtroom, uh, while they go, while ordered the sheriff's deputies to go get the child, because he had a good inkling of what was going to happen. Am I right about that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a big inkling. He knew, What she was going to try to do. So the judge said, sure, go pee. And so um, the mother um had a friend that went over and got the child and took the child. The mother crawled out of the window and met a van. Get this right in front of the damn courthouse and loaded in the van and poof, they disappeared into the into the into the night. Well, the important part that you need to know is that. The courts in Texas, you have to have what they call a pretext or pre- predicate. Okay, that's a predicate meaning before, and a pre-predicate it means before the before. So basically, what you're hearing and seeing is is that the court had rendered its verdict. They had once she heard the verdict, and they were going to bring the child to the courthouse to give to the father. She somehow got a message out or there was somebody in the courtroom that was listening and they had a plan brought up. So what she did was she violated a court order. That's the aggravation. Okay. That's the legal aggravation. So in the Inks case, there was no aggravation. What happened was is that she went missing and then the court Um, she had an arrest warrant issued and then the court, um, had not rendered a final verdict or a final, what would you a verdict I'd say, Mm -hmm. uh, in the civil case. And therefore the aggravation was not there. Therefore they couldn't file kidnapping charges that made a lot of prevention on a lot of like MEC took the case and put it up on theirs, missing, exploited children, Um, and there was some others that wouldn't take it because, uh, you know, it's just a civil case. It's just she is the mother, you know, that thing happened again, uh, in which that doesn't happen. And are you seeing that? I don't see it happening in much in some of the parental kidnapping cases we get. Yeah. These days they're, they've, they've gone pretty, pretty, uh, pretty normal, uh, back to it. So there was no aggravated kidnapping charge that could be filed on her only interference felony which is still a felony, but it only punishable by five years at a max felony, um, um, you know, felony, um, interference with child custody. Now here's the deal. We are currently going to work with uh, speaker feeling governor Abbott or, and a few of the other leaders up in Austin. And we're gonna put a package together for them that some legislation can be written into the criminal code that will give police officers some teeth. The only reason this got investigated to the length it did, in which our client was very frustrated after two years, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah. Very.
0: The only reason we got that that the FBI got involved is because there was proof that she had gone over state lines. So let's talk about the run a little bit. So we know she is at a house in the west side of Houston. All of a sudden, the homeowner comes home, according to him, and I interviewed him pretty tightly, and uh, I had him in a room. They let me take a run at him, and I took a run at him, and and I interviewed him from A to Z. And let me tell you something, folks, uh, you know, he, uh, he finally uh, broke a little bit and he said he had some kind of an idea that they were headed to where else? California. And so Caroline, take us on the ride.
1: Well, before we get started on that, I think it's important to note that we spoke about how we do a personality uh, profile. And the one thing that we knew about this woman is that she was a model. And not only was she just a model, but she was a nude model. So uh, some of the things that we looked for and tips and things that we put out to the public were. You know, she could be modeling for somebody. She could be on some porn sites. She could be there. There was a list of things that we had gotten tips on or that we had put together with this personality profile that led us to some of these various areas. So the places of interest were Florida, California and Texas. The reason those were places of interest. A obviously Texas is where she lived. Florida is where she was from and where her family lived. And California was where she had done some modeling um,
0: (laughs) Modeling. jobs.
1: (laughs) Um, We had some mail that had come to our client's home that was forwarded from an address in Florida. um, And also some hospital bills from a hospital in Florida um, that came to um, the Inks' home. So we were able to use this information to focus on specific areas where we could blast missing persons photos uh, or posters. The FBI wanted poster um, and specifically the hospital area that we knew she was at.
0: Now, she did have family down the St. Pete area, right? Was it St. Pete or was it? No, it was um, Orlando. Yes. It was in the Orlando area to which... We did have active surveillance going on her mother's house. Yes, we had active times. surveillance going on her friend's house.
1: Yeah. Multiple times over a matter of a few years. Yeah. We had
0: very active surveillance. I just be honest with you, with the FBI, with us, phones being, monitored. Phones being tapped and monitored. I mean, there was a, uh, there was a lot of activity going on. Well, so we get a, uh, we make this decision that let's go back to what, the guy in the West side finally gave up to us, which is she probably headed to California. So we get an active tip South of San Francisco, San Jose area. Now, one thing you got to know about San Francisco and San Jose, there's two things that are there. Expensive, expensive rent. I mean, you can't live out there unless you work for one of the big three, Google, Google, Apple, you know, one of the big three companies out there that pay you uh, a quarter of a million dollars a year. You can't afford housing out there. I mean, where well, they have two bedroom apartments for like $9,000 out there a month and people pay that. That's crazy, but they do. There's two industries that make a whole crap load of money out there. That's going to be the high tech guys, right? Yeah. And the porn industry. Oops. So we started thinking to ourselves, wow, wow, wow. She made me involved in porn. She loved to take nude pictures. She loved to flaunt her little body off. She loved to, what would you say, lure the boys in, right? Yep. And so we were confused at that point. Well, is she gonna use her body for money? And sure enough. One, we decided we'd do a blast just in the San Francisco, San Jose area, and we got local law enforcement out there to help us with the blast, and sure enough, we started getting tips, and what happened? We flushed her out. She somehow found out we were looking for her, because there were some sites that were seedy, but... You know, even some of the CD sites have, well, we, had we
1: had even some people that called in tips from that were involved in these porn sites and whatever else videos and things st- stating that they thought that she was one of the women that yep. they, you know, were in contact with at one point
0: and changed her hair and cut her hair and everything else. So when we come back from the break, what we're going to do is we're going to take you on the ride from San Francisco back to where we found her. With that, this is the Klein Files. We'll be back in just a second. Are you a hot mess like me, always on the go and putting everyone else's needs above your own? Then, Her Messy Life, a Southern Chic boutique, is here to help you. With new arrivals weekly, ranging in sizes from small to 3X, you can spice up your outfits and indulge in some much-needed retail therapy at Her Messy Life. Make sure to use the coupon code Klein15 for
1: 15% off at hermessylife.com. Shop today and find your new
0: favorite item. Welcome back to part two of the Klein Files. We hope everybody's well and hope that everybody's feeling well. Can I interject something here, real quick? Uh-oh, just kind of off a little bit. What? We had one of the most wonderful visits last week, week before.
1: Oh, yeah, we did.
0: Let me tell you something, a young lady, uh, her name is, I just had it in my freaking pea brain. Look it up real quick. We had a lady that came by this office that, uh, Katrina uh, Katrina is her name. I don't want to give her last name because people start looking her up and you know how that goes. Um, Katrina, uh, who is a fan of these podcasts and who is a fan of uh, KIC and she said she was a fan of mine. Uh, seen me on TV, a bunch, uh, on all the, you know, all the, I don't know. I keep my lost count of them. Now, all these television shows I do and the news shows I do. Um, but they were, um, she said she, she always watches. She hears my name. She loves to watch me on TV. She thinks I have a personality. Imagine that. And so she said, uh, her father was taking her on a tour of the United States. She's from Wisconsin. Now around here we all kind of went, okay, now what? I mean, we've had fans come up knock on the front door. We've had fans call here. we get emails, we get notes. Caroline, you get you're starting to get notes now from people. We get that stuff. but folks, this lady was very sincere in her, in her writings to us and her phone calls to our staff here said she'd like to shake my hand, get to know me, you know at least meet me in person and on her way. I think we're they were going to Nevada. Uh, on a fa- on a little father-daughter trip. Mm-hmm. And I, it brought me back to when I brought you around to the Texas schools. Caroline and I went to all, uh, I told Caroline she'd go to any college she wanted to go to. And so we traveled, uh, what, for a whole week. We were together, and mm-hmm. we didn't kill each other. And she uh, and we took her to all the schools, and she ended up at my alma mater, Texas Tech. God bless, we're everywhere. And so um, the bottom line is, is she showed up here with her dad. Her dad sat in the car. And she came in here, and she was almost in tears. And I said, well, "Calm down. Let's let's just go in the conference room and sit down." She looked around. She goes, "Oh my God, I've seen this on TV before." And I took her for a tour of the offices and showed her what we do. Introduced her to some of the senior staff that was in here at the time. And um, yeah, we're all in here that day. Were y'all in? Nope. Nope. Taylor was out. Taylor was out. She was on vacation. And so there was a, the, you know, so I walked her through it, and we talked a little bit and she told me her story you know folks we all have a story right we all have a story and this young lady's story was very compelling so i just wanted to say it was an honor to have her in the in the office it was an honor to meet you it was an honor to meet her i know she's listening to this uh, i want you to know you you affected us uh it was a very busy day in here i was running <laughs> I was running everywhere that day meetings to court back to meetings and back into court. But it was an, it was a wonderful opportunity to meet you and folks, you know, we, we want you to know if you, if you want to drop us a line, uh, drop us a line here, you can get on our website and figure out how to drop us a line. Uh, Or if you want to come by, just, you know, give us a call. We, we, we'd love to give you a tour of the offices and show you what we do and the cases. And I think her eyes were opened a little bit when she saw the wall over here and the cases we're working and the missing people and the dead and, the, the cases, the homicides we're working and the forensics we do. And, uh, you know, I think uh, it was a good experience for her. So anyway, we want to thank her for taking that trip uh, as she did uh, through Nevada and cutting all the way down Texas and, uh, coming by our offices and seeing us. So anyway, we thank you very, very much for that, dear. And, uh, we hope uh, life is good for you and how life works out for you. So anyway, back to the story of the Inks case. um, we tracked this young lady all the way to San Francisco. If you kind of skirted through the first part, we had her in San Francisco. We had tips from, uh, should I say fellow actors, (laughs) fellow actors that had dealt with her saying, no, this lady's crazy. She's off the, off the chain. And then we were able to track. Now, one of the greatest things about California was we were able to, to get a partial license plate and a, uh, a car. Now, When you go through a toll booth, know this, your license plate is recorded, and whatever license that is on, uh, the reciprocal car, it's on. And so we began to get feedback from license plates readers all over the California area, which led us down to the San Diego area. We blasted the San Diego area, and we flushed her out again. And then we, from there, Caroline, take us from San Diego back to where we found her
1: surveillance footage that um was provided that we were able to see
0: what she looked like
1: yes and that she that getting on a train and that train wherever it landed
0: right first in san diego to guess where arizona and then arizona to
1: back to texas
0: back to texas so we knew what she looked like we knew the color of her hair we knew we knew a lot of things, but what we didn't know, where was Penelope? We never saw Penelope's picture. And that was disturbing to us because we were like, my God, did they sell her in the market? Is Penelope dead? Where's Penelope?
1: Yep. She wasn't on any of the video footage. She wasn't in any anything that we were able to find or that was provided to us or the tips that had come in.
0: So. We started getting indications there was something going on in a in a county called Montgomery County, Texas. We got a couple of tips. We were a little bit concerned uh, for the welfare of Penelope, which leads us up to my famous two thirty in the morning phone call that I got on my cell phone. You know when it when your phone rings at two thirty, folks, it, it isn't good. It just isn't good. And uh, Caroline was on the phone, and she said, "Hey, look, we got a situation." I said, "What?" She goes on the Inks case. I said, "What?" Well, a hotel up in the furthest, 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 most part of Montgomery County had called an EMS, and fire had been dispatched. It was a Howard Johnson's, wasn't it? To a Howard Johnson's uh, hotel, what I believe it is. I think so. Howard Johnson's up on I-45 North. And upon arrival, they found a woman that was in a psychotic state, A. B, during the initial um, um, assessment of the woman, a young teenager walked in the room. Um, and the teenager told law enforcement that she was living off of Dr. Pepper and Skittles.
1: That was, that was in her interview. Um, when, well, uh, when they arrived, when police arrived to the room, there was a woman and then she was holding a baby, a, a two-year-old. And it was just the two of them. Um, Penelope was not seen at that time. Um, and they, the, you know, the police officer did a great job separated um interviewed her or tried to get her name she went under an alias name which i don't believe we are going to release it no time. we can't release
0: due to trial uh, but, but but the boyfriend who was the baby daddy imagine that the baby daddy so she had had another child with another man in the past old was a baby uh,
1: well, at the time, I want to say one or two years old. Yeah, maybe one year
0: old. It was very, very young child when I saw it. Uh, but anyway, the baby daddy um, said, you know, look, I, I don't know what's going on. She's psychotic. Uh, you know, she's having problems, etc." And then finally, one of the police officers snapped and said, hey, what's your real name? And he had one of those portable fingerprint units. So he put her on the fingerprint unit to her agreements, and all the bells and whistles went off in his patrol car. This is a wanted fugitive. She's been on the run for five years. She take her into custody immediately. And they did. It was just the luck of the draw built upon pressure, which we later found out that she had always felt that we, our team Caroline, basically the FBI and law enforcement were always right behind her. She eventually said within the period of three to four weeks of being in one place, all of a sudden people will start looking at her different. She was asked, Hey, you look a little like that girl. She was recognized, you know, it all goes with the public. I've said this a million times in many different ways, the public, you folks in the public that help uh, guys like us, the hunters, we have the greatest job in the world, don't we, Caroline? We get to hunt people, and 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 I I tell everybody this: keep your eyes and ears open. If you see something, say something. It's okay, you know. Maybe you say something wrong about somebody. Go apologize. Say, look, I was just doing it out of good faith, goodwill. But anyway, so they took her into custody. Then that's when they made contact with Penelope.
1: They went back to the hotel and they found that she was hiding in a room right next, like an adjoining room, but the door had been shut. So they didn't know that it was adjoining at the time.
0: And then Penelope admitted that, yeah, I'm Penelope Inks. Yeah. They're looking for me. They're looking for my mama. And then they went and they got child protective services immediately involved where she admitted she lives on. Uh, That's true. Dr. Pepper and Skittles. She had had no sustenance food, but how long did she say? A year?
1: Um, Almost a year? Yeah. I mean, definitely over a year. There were. um,
0: Could you imagine eating Skittles and Dr. Pepper for a year?
1: She claimed that she had um, an allergy to many things. There were (laughs) very. I don't know what the word is to say, but there's the. The alienation that had set in, and the the things that she had been fed throughout the five year run, was that she was of a descent that she not she isn't really of, and that there were things that she was uh, allergic to the sun. She was allergic to anything um, that's important. Consider healthy food.
0: Allergic to the sun is very, very, very important for you, our folks, to hear. She was allergic to the sun. Why would her mother tell her she's allergic to the sun? Because she didn't want her out in the open. She didn't want her face recognized. Right? Yep. Why wouldn't she, why wouldn't she take her to a restaurant? Why would she tell the world she, or her daughter that she's allergic to all these foods? Because she didn't want her to take her to a restaurant. She didn't want her daughter to suggest going to a restaurant. She didn't want to deal with it. So basically what she did was she inaliated her daughter into being a hermit.
1: And she was excre- extremely emaciated. Oh, my God.
0: When I saw her, I mean, it was like, holy crap. I mean, I'm telling you, this little girl... And someday when the trial's over, we'll be able to release the pictures. Um, uh, we will release the pictures someday, um, showing the world of what she looked like when we got her. But it was just, it was shocking. It was horrifying. I, I remember some of the employees here had tears in their eyes. It was, it was, I mean, to see her was just, oh my God. Even the FBI, uh, uh, Agent Hanson, he was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Everybody was in shock.
1: I think everybody just thought that we've seen parental, well, I know everybody here in our office, we've seen parental alienation, um, kidnappings. We have been a part of several that have been found. And I, when I say that of the ones that I personally have been involved with, this was the worst one mentally that I've ever seen the child
0: we've seen some rough stuff the allen case uh the Wall case i mean i could go down the case list there are hundreds not thousands in here that we've done that we've been part of the solution involved in but uh, this was something that i'd say this is way out of our league i mean it was way way out of our league this is something that you'd see over in uh czechoslovakia in the in the in world war ii i mean that's what she looked like it was it was horrific So So, when
1: she was found, they, CPS took her into their custody. Um, so she is, uh, uh, let's backtrack. I think the main question that we get now is how, A, how is Penelope doing? B, the status of Heather. C, have Kevin and Penelope been reunited? Um, and so we can answer those questions today. Um, so let's go with A first. A.
0: How's she doing? Not good. Not good at all, folks. This is something I I tell you, I tell new employees, which we very rarely have because pretty much everybody stays with us. I tell you, when you get here and you start working here, you're going to have to get some layer of protection around you in your mind. You need to go get counseling. You need to talk about what you see in here and in this office, because some of it can be horrific, but this case goes above and beyond anything Again, Penelope is still in the care and custody of the state of Texas.
1: She has joint custody between Kevin and the state of Texas. In the
0: state of Texas. She is is functioning a little better, but she still has long-term mental issues that she's going to have to overcome. The child is being worked with by some of the best the state of Texas has to offer. And it's been at best a crawl uh, since she's been found about what has it been a year and
1: well she was born, but she was found on April 4th of 2020. So it's so, been a year yeah, and like yeah. three months. A year and three months.
0: And they are s- desperately trying to work. Second, the mother
1: still sitting in jail.
0: And we hope will sit in jail for a long time to come. Now let me tell you how crazy this is. Galveston County offered her a deal. Here's her deal. Your deal is you, Ms. Zinks, will get time served. I know everybody's going to go nuts when they hear this. Time served. Probation for four years? Four-year probation, right? Four-year probation. Mm -hmm. You violate the probation, terms of probation, et et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You go right to jail. And you get out of jail that minute. That second, that millisecond. She You're, could be out of jail now. She, she could be out of jail know. right now. She turned it down. Said she wanted to go to trial. So her attorney quit. Now they have a state's attorney or what do you call it? A, 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 I don't know. A defense attorney. He's, a, no, he's provided by the attorney. state. Yeah. And, and there's an amicus involved now. Anyway, the bottom line is, is the daughter is still in the Institute. Uh, at an undisclosed location in in the state of Texas. The mother has turned it down. She's sitting in the can, right? And she's fixing to face a jury, which is just stupid. I mean, when the testimony comes out of what her mother is, what her mother's done, et cetera, et cetera, that jury could put her in jail for five years, no parole. My guess is she's going to get five years to serve two and a half. Uh, That's just my guess, but that's that. Now, what's the third prong you said? Uh,
1: Heather, I mean Heather. Has Kevin the father and the, Penelope been reunited? Okay. Unfortunately, they have not.
0: Now they talk. They I was have just with been him on the phone. Right, I was just with him two weeks ago at his house. Uh, to which we hope uh, uh, the dad recovers well. We got to notice what five days later that he had COVID and he was really hurting. Uh, he yeah, was in he bad was shape. In hospital. He was in the hospital in bad shape. So our yeah. prayers are with Kevin Inks. I know he, I think he got out, but I think he's having long-term uh, issues. And we pray for Kevin, Kevin, you know, what else are you going to throw at this guy? You're going to kidnap his kid. Then you're going to, I mean, anyway, um, they are talking on the phone. They are having some kind of discussion, uh, some type of talk. Between them uh, the father and daughter, some days it's good, some days it's bad. It just depends upon what's going on that day. But the bottom line is the lines of communication are open, but there has been no reunification yet. We'll see what happens. I know it tears his heart apart. And, you know, I, think about this. Your daughter goes missing and you're a suspect? That tore him up. I mean, he was madder than a hornet about that. But I think once we explain to him, we as investigators, that's the first thing we do. We get the family and the surrounding family off the chart first, so we don't have to deal with it later on down the road. And and usually a lot of these cases, especially homicide cases, it's usually a family member or an aggravated family member. So, you know, we wanted to make sure that was right. Now, Kevin and I and his wife, his new wife, had a nice visit. They have beautiful children together uh he has a room he took me up to the room showed me the room for penelope it's painted in her favorite colors with her favorite um uh, bedspread uh they're ready for to accept her whenever the state of texas says he's good to go Uh, quite frankly i don't know that we're even going to get close anytime soon but that's what i want to end this podcast with This case will probably not have that rainbow happy ending, that many of our cases do. In fact, none of them really kind of do. I mean, the children always show up here to our offices and want to see their box and see the investigation box because they still got to check and balance most of their life. What was the twenty-nine-year-old that showed up here? Uh, Hill was that last name, and um, showed up here and wanted to see her box and got in her box and looked in her box and went through all of the uh, her. her case file. And it was really a an experience for me to see the expression and the, you know, and I said, you know what? I think I'm gonna leave and let you just kind of go through this. And I did. I left her in the conference room all by herself. And she came down and we talked a little bit. Um I really thought Jeremy DeWalt was gonna show up here, didn't you? I
1: did. He hasn't yet. He hasn't yet. And uh, Sabrina Allen. And Sabrina
0: Allen. Sabrina will. Sabrina will. I think you and Sabrina had a good rapport. Mm-hmm. I thought I had a pretty good rapport with her. She gave me a hug and a kiss before I left her. And, you know, she looked at me as the enemy. She had read about me until the special agents in the SRT team kicked in the front door and came in and she watched her mother bite a SRT member in the neck and, um, you know, actually got to see her mother in action. Um, I don't know that this case is going to have that rainbow happy ending or even close, but what will, I will say is you know, we give it into the trust of God and let God handle it, and and he will. But she has a long road to go. The father has a long road to go. The mother, I got to be honest with y'all, I could care less about her. I hope she gets, I, I, I wish we could do life in prison. Because what she's done is, she has affected this young girl's for life. She will never have a normal, I I can't, can you name one of the people we brought back that has a normal relationship with an opposite person, like a, like a girl with a boy or a boy with a girl?
1: Yeah, no, no. I
0: I, I don't know one and that is not still in counseling or has gone to counseling or come here and cried or, you know, that is just, you just tear these children apart. So what I want to leave all of you with today, and Caroline is our psychological guy in the office. Carolyn, you tell me if I'm wrong and hit me if I say go out of school. Folks, when you see, because there's divorce, 50%, if not more, 75% in the black community, marriages end up in divorce. When you see or hear some parent talk derogatory about the other parent, and you're that parent's friend, take them aside. Sit them down and say, you know what? You're not hurting your ex. You're hurting the child. That's their mama or their daddy. I don't care what you say. They love them, and they love them unconditionally. Support. And for those of you out there that are in a divorce situation, that have gotten divorced or in the pro, or in the situation of getting a divorce, You know, what's the one thing, and I I don't like to talk about my personal life, but I'm divorced from Caroline's mama. The one thing I told my two children, don't you ever talk like that to your parents. Whether it's your mama, whether it's your daddy, whether it's your grandparents, I don't care who they are. You show respect. And I urge all of you out there, all of you out there, that have a friend or maybe it's your brother or your sister and they're going through a divorce and they're talking bad about the other side, stop it. And they're talking about the other side in front of their children, stop it. Step in the middle and talk about making cookies or getting a glass of milk or do whatever you do. Feed them a beer or a drink, but sit them down and say, stop it. You're just hurting the kid. And I don't say that because of my experience with mothers and fathers. I say that because of my experience with the children. That's what this is all about. The babies, the children. Teach them to love. Don't teach them to hate. Teach them to love themselves. Don't teach them to hate themselves. Teach them to love their parents, not to hate the parents. Teach them to love their grandparents, not to hate their grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. Because in the end, children to grow properly need love and support, both mentally and physically but mostly mentally. You ask me all the time, folks, when I'm out in public, lady stopped me yesterday. I did an interview yesterday with a local television station. She stopped me and said, how oh, I've seen you on TV. You give such good advice. Like, la, la, la Whatever they say, right? Whatever they say. La la la. That's all I hear. And I look at them and I say, don't ever give up on the kids. Love the kids. Don't ever give up on the parents, love the parents. Don't ever give up on the grandparents, love the grandparents and leave it all on the side. Because if they're as bad as you say they'll be, the kids will figure it out one day. Let them figure it out on their own. Don't you try to figure it out for them. In 90% of the cases, we all express love in a different way. You'd be surprised what happens when you tell the children, love support their family. <laughs> they become productive to the society. Folks, the world we're living in right now, agree or disagree, in the world we live in right now, what we see in this office would turn your stomach, and 50% of you would run to the toilet and throw up. Give your kids a chance. You divorced parents in here, give your kids a chance. You grandparents out there, give your kids a chance. Let the kids figure it out on their own. Got it? All right. Thank you for listening this week. It's been another great podcast. And guess what our next podcast is going to be about. Do you even know? Have I told you? Doxing. Doxing. Look it up. Get ready for a powerhouse hour on internet crime. I
1: don't know if one episode will be enough on that.
0: Yeah, it may not be because we've been doxed here. I can't tell you how many times we've been doxed here in this office and it infuriates us all, but we want you to to know about doxing, what you can and cannot do, and what the law says. Anyway, thank you for listening to us. We hope you guys have a great week. I promise you we will be back on schedule here, right? Yes, hopefully every week. Are you done with vacation? I'm ready for my kids to start school (laughs) next week those babies love those babies anyway all right everybody have a great week we'll talk next week this is the Klein Files